want to talk about the different ways that we abandon when we when we allow overwhelm to rule our lives, the different ways that we abandon our relationships with our children um, because mm-hmm. we hit our threshold instead of mitigating mm-hmm. our threshold before we get that far. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year child care veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at Jenny at JennyB.co. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back to the Relational Parenting Podcast. We are on episode 27. Um, This week, we had to switch things around a little bit. We were supposed to have a a guest episode this week, um, but our guest had some unforeseen conflicts, and so we have rescheduled her for a new date. So this week will be an extra dad and Papa Rick and Jenny episode. Um, and this week we are doing a parent write-in email. And uh, a while ago I was sending out my newsletter my weekly newsletter, which by the way, if you are not on that, go sign up at the links in the show notes, um, sign up for the newsletter every week to keep abreast of all the new things happening. Um, but I, I sent this newsletter out a little while back and I asked the question to, to parents, what is your most hurtful childhood memory? And, you know, and I I think I even specified what is something that your parents did repeatedly that you look back on now and, and remember how hurtful it was that maybe in the moment it just felt like the norm, but you look back on it now and know like that really hurt me or that really affected me in this way. And, um, one of the mom's replied. And so I'm going to read, read that email and then we're going to dive into it. So, uh, so my second vivid memory was my mom just walking out the door when things at home got to be too much. It started when I was a preteen. It got the attention of my dad, my siblings, and I, as minutes and hours would go by the wondering if she would come back kicked in. Then the anxiety of having to get in the van and go out, drive around and find where she walked off to or the side of the road she was she was still walking on and pick her up and bring her home. She kept that up until I was 20. When she did it yet again in our new location, we had just moved to the central part of Phoenix, Arizona. My younger brother and I, who was the eldest, said enough, enough. It wasn't right or safe. This whole walking out when you are overwhelmed. That was our final and last time picking her up when she ran. We wouldn't do it anymore. And we didn't. 
And then she goes on and says, gosh, after I became a mom of two boys, a toddler, extremely strong-willed, like my younger brother was, I got it. When I had an opportunity to sit down with my mom and ask about the why behind her just walking out the door so many times as I grew up, in that moment, I was able to hear and see her, not as my mom, but as a fellow young mom struggling back then and not having the tools I have today or even the support to handle parenthood and tough situations as they came up daily. It was a pivotal and healing conversation that began for both of us. Jenny, thank you for your question that ha- that gave me pause this week. Um, and then she signs off. And so there's so, so much in this, you know, snippet of a story from this woman's life and childhood and then her later conversation with with the mother that that you know would do this repeated behavior um that hurt her so much and had her feelings so abandoned when she was a kid um and then when she became a mom looking back on it being like I understand. I get that feeling, you know, now, now that I'm a mom, now that I struggle, now that I get overwhelmed, now that I don't know what's next or, you know, what thing is going to be thrown at me today in parenting. Um, and to have that healing conversation with her mom, I'm just, I'm just so happy that she was able to have that conversation and start, you know, open a dialogue to discussing, some of those things that were hurtful in in her childhood and for her to be able to approach it from a place of understanding instead of a place of, of accusation, I think is, is key as well. What was your kind of initial reaction when you read this email? I always look at this kind of stuff as, you know, it's uh, as it depends it's hard to know why her mom walked out, and it always depends I, exactly what was going on. Her mom's memory may be faulty, you know. If everybody's – when I listen to people recount or if I'm in situations like that, it all depends on goodwill and honesty and, you know, our assuming everybody's working towards a resolution, that's fine. If there's sometimes in life you run into people who are looking for trouble. And if that's the case, then maybe, you know, uh, if her husband was alcoholic and going to beat her up or something, then that might be a good time to take leave of the situation, you know? Yeah. So without, so just, I'm, I'm always like looking for the problem with, you know, what, what happened in the situation. So that. Right. What causes the behavior. Yeah. You know, but assuming at face value, um, I remember having that situation in my life a few times and that's no fun. And I can only imagine what it was like as a kid let alone as the adult, you know, the first thought is don't do anything to your kids. You're not going to be comfortable explaining to them when they're they're grown up (laughs) would be a good little blurb to keep in your mind. It's like, how am I, which gets back to our relational and, you know, slow down in my, 
My approach in those situations is always to slow down. Whoa, I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not drinking. I'm not, you know, if it's, if somebody's upset with me, it's like, I didn't intentionally do anything to you. Um, what, what's going on? Do I, did I accidentally do something to you? Let's, let's slow down. Cause people don't think straight when they're upset. Right. You know, so that's not the time to figure stuff out. Um, so my, my thought when I was reading this was, yeah, been there, done that. Um, <laughs> hard to know, you know, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's perfectly normal. And I probably did that to my kids a few times and no crap. <laughs> well, and we and, don't have, uh, how are you? we don't have a perfect, we don't have a perfect context, right? We just have this, this parent just shared this quick snippet story with me. So we don't know. Um, I, I emailed back and forth with her, you know, I responded to this email and and thanked her and, and whatnot. Um, and I didn't, I didn't receive any other information that made it sound like there was some big issue. It was just like her mom would get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with life with, you know, maybe, there, the siblings were fighting or maybe she and her husband were having a tiff or there was just so much going on that she just had, she just would get, you know, or maybe they weren't helping her enough. You yeah. know, she was asking yeah. for them to do chores or help and everyone was just ignoring her and she would just walk out and need space and fresh air. And, you know, we have, we don't have enough context. Um, but, I, but what I want to pull out of this is that everyone gets overwhelmed or frustrated or pissed off or stuck in a place where we can't, Oh my God, I keep dropping this thing. What is that? Did you, my mouse or, or we get stuck. We just, we just need space. We just need to be with ourselves. We just need to go like, detox, come down, get away from whatever energy is bothering us in the house, go get fresh air, go for a walk. Like it it, it can be as simple as this is my coping skill. And this is the only way I know how to cope. And to me, regardless of what's happening, what happened, what triggered her when she would walk out, like whatever the cause was or whatever the trigger was, it's clear to me that this mom was getting to a point she was going past her threshold of discomfort. Yep. Yep. And then her go-to lizard brain, I feel like I've lost control coping mechanism is I need to get out and away and go just simmer down or think or be by myself. And that could have come from a place of I'm going to flip my lid and I don't want to do that to my family or my kids. Or it could be from a place of you are all pissing me off and I want to get away from you. It could Mm -hmm. be, you know, it could be well-intentioned. Our coping skills. the escalation. Yeah. Right. She's and she's and she's going and it could and it's like and that's like a self-regulation tool. Right. But what I want to pull out of that one is that is not demonizing this mother's coping skill that she has. But two, 
offering a way to to use our coping skills that do not harm our relationships with our children and our families and our partners. Because just Things walking out the explain. door dramatically and not back then not having a cell phone where you could communicate, let people know what time you were going to come back, not knowing where you were going, scaring your children with, with zero communication, zero, whatever. Yeah. That all thing is not great. Yeah. That all, that all results in abandonment. And so those kids, even though that was not your, your intention as the parent, that is the effect that that action has on people who rely on you. And when you have people who rely on you, people who love you, people who care about you, and you simply disappear all of a sudden without discussion, communication, safety, then those children are going to grow up with abandonment being a coping mechanism, an okay coping mechanism and also hurt and this disconnect and from you. What, yeah. Yeah. Um, now this woman, this mom was able to, to later in life, talk to her mom about it. Um, she was also, sounds like when she was in her older teens, she was able to tell her mom, like, we're not going to come get you anymore and set a boundary. Right. Cause once you've been hurt that many times or whatever, you get frustrated, fed up and you, and you set a boundary. It sounds like she did that at some point. When she was 20, um, which is well on. Yeah. And, and yeah. And she and her brother said that they were like, this is enough. This isn't right. And we're not going to come get you anymore if you keep doing this. And yeah. so that's setting a boundary. So that's, that's, that's a healthy thing. Hey, that's enough of that, mom. You know, but then yeah. it's hard. It's hard for a 12 year old or a four year old to do that. Right. Right. And so, yeah, so, so overwhelm, overwhelm is, I think, the most common theme in parenting in life for all of us. We all, it's like, we're all trying to carry so many things, um, but especially for parents, it's, it's constant, um, because not only are you trying to keep yourself alive, trying to keep a household running, trying to pay the bills, trying to put food on the table, trying to shower regularly, <laughs> like, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> then you're like, oh, my, my children also need a shower and my children also have laundry and my children also need to be, need to eat well. My children also need yeah. to get to school on time. And like, you're, you're, you go from managing one life to managing multiple lives. And if you have a parenting partner, then you're co-managing your lives together. And there's a lot to keep track of and a lot. There's an aspect there too of there are people, you have to, you have to lower your expectations for managing things. You know, if you're, if you're really needing everything just so, and you've got three kids running around getting toy, you know, just living life and, uh, that you're training to not leave clothes laying around, not leave toy, not getting toys out and and putting them back when they're done and all that. That I think a lot of that leads to overwhelmingness. You have to adjust your expectations. 
um, yeah. to avoid, and you have to take measures to avoid overwhelmingness. I mean, obviously, you don't want to live in a in a in a pile of dirt, but uh, the more control you expect to exercise over a more complicated environment, the less the more easily overwhelmed you're going to become. Is is the way yeah. I think about it. The you more... know, it's it's much busier much more complicated, you got to relax through it a little bit. Yeah. That, and that's definitely one, one coping skill um, that I would get behind is what can you take off of your plate? Where are you torturing yourself with things that you don't need to be in control of that you can let go yeah. of um, in order to other people lower too. your overwhelm, but, but overwhelm is so, it's so common. And so I want to talk about, you know, the different ways that overwhelm shows up. And I want to talk about the different ways that we abandon when we, when we allow overwhelm to rule our lives, the different ways that we abandon our relationships with our children um, because mm-hmm. we hit our threshold instead of mitigating mm-hmm. our threshold before we get that far. And so Fair my thing. question, my first question to you is what do you, what were some of your coping skills as a parent um, with three children that you can look back now and kind of go, oh, I wish I'd done that better. Or, oh, I wish I'd handled that better or had this tool that I, that I know now exists. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm a pretty quiet, uh, I'm, I, I think of myself as being pretty easygoing, but I, I do kind of expect order and quiet. I, I'm, uh, left to my, I'm pretty okay by myself. Um, I'm okay socializing too, but I just don't like a lot of hubbub all around me at the time. So that's what I end up escaping from. If I can't get the general level of commotion around me, I'm ADHD, you know, and if if I'm in a situation where there's just too much commotion, I tend to gravitate away from that or, or it's like, Hey, let's get the commotion under control here. And okay, now everybody's functioning things are good. Okay. Now, now we can, go yeah. ahead. So that's teaching Sunday school. That's a challenge, you know, because you've got 20 kids that don't belong to you. <laughs> right. Right. Bunch of small children. That's not a great place if you're not wild about commotion. <laughs> right. Or if you can't um, be or, that like, like Zen out through it. I feel like noise, and so you and I have a noise sensitivity in common. I've had to yeah. overcome a lot of noise. Yeah. Uh, triggers, but anyway, keep going. I've talked to I've talked to people who uh, uh, had a friend who was who was addicted to gambling, had to have herself barred from casinos, and I was like, "Why? What's up with that?" And and she says there was something about going into a casino uh, with all the lights and the bells and the commotion and stuff. It's like a drug, you know. Some people are yeah. just sucked into that they're Somehow made that, that way it's like social media yeah. the flashing lights and the it drowns yeah. out whatever bullshit you're dealing with in your life and it just Something, takes yeah. over all your senses and you can just be there and have fun and sign off like 
and forget about it. It's a distraction yeah. then, I guess, yeah. you know. And so that's, I'm kind of the opposite. I, I like going to a carnival and trying to beat the game so they can't screw up a BB gun so bad I can't knock that star out of that piece of paper. You know, it's a competitive thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But, the, you know, but then after that, it's like, whew, you know, when I walk out of the, we'd go to a little, town small town carnival or something like that we'd walk out of those and i'd go like whew am i gl-, you know all that i'm glad all that carny music and stuff that's i had enough of that yeah um, so what i do is slow down what i kind of stimulated i i try to be uh take a breath master my own nervous system <laughs> yeah okay we got some commotion going on here. What do we do next? And I try to, and I'm probably over rational. I try to, th- you know, I get, I think through it and get calm and calm everybody else down. Cause whenever, when, when two people aren't calm, well, that's when everybody gets to just yakking pointlessly at one another. You know, I don't know if I learned that young, but it's like, yeah, there's no point if we're, if we're all upset, there's absolutely no point in anybody saying a word because it's just going to be, yeah. everybody calm down, get a grip, and then we'll talk about what the problem is and we'll go in it. So that kind of leads to timeouts and stuff for me. Or one thing I remember being taught was to set an appointment. Okay, we're all upset now. There's commotion now. Let's just get a get away from this. You know, let's wait for this to be done. And then we'll set an appointment for the future. You know, to say, let's go talk about this. Let's go talk about this tomorrow. You know, let's uh, two o'clock tomorrow. What are you doing two o'clock tomorrow? Let's talk about this tomorrow after everybody's adrenaline has drained off, you know, or whatever it takes. Um, That all, you know, the caveat there is that assumes everybody has goodwill. Nobody's being vindictive, you know, and is going to be willing to talk about that's let's assume everybody's being a nice guy um when there's if someone proves over and over and over they are not being honest i have to admit or they are not being authentic you know and operating in good faith goodwill then i tend to go well okay that's enough of that um i'm not sure i have a real good way to deal with that other than, I guess it's defensive. Cut it off. It's like, well, we need to eliminate this influence from our life because it's not yeah. healthy. So, I've definitely experienced. Took me a long time to learn that. I definitely have experienced, like, remember experiencing, like, if if me and one of my brothers were in an argument or. We were like, there's, there were obvious things where like we were in the bait, you know, you for a long time telecommuted, um, worked from home in the basement in your office and, and we would come down and, uh, you know, be too rambunctious, too loud. We would interrupt you or whatever. And, and I remember you opening the door sometimes and being like, if you open this door and someone's not bleeding, <laughs> I'm going yeah. to make sure one of you is or whatever, you know, yeah. like one of yeah. those silly I was trying to conduct threats. business yeah. where I shouldn't have. <laughs> and so we would either get quieter, we would leave and go outside or whatever. But I also remember if we yeah. were fighting or anything, and I even remember this into like, like early adulthood, we hmm. would get into it, you know, Nathan and I would get into an argument in your yeah. presence. Yeah. And instead of letting us 
figure our shit out, you would cut us off and try to like mediate and take over and make it stop. That's right. You, like you, you needed it to stop this. now. I'm involved. Now we're going to, now I'm going to, well, you weren't involved. Like you were, you were just in the room. You weren't involved. You were just there. And it was like, you couldn't stand the overstimulation of the argument. And so you had to make it stop. And so you would take over and control the situation and make it stop. I would let you go for a while. But when it gets, when I would hear you guys hurling insults at one another, when it became counterproductive or unproductive, it's like, yeah. okay, that's enough of that. That's yeah. not how that I was trying to teach you. That's not how, that's not a good way to do it. Right. Go calm down. Right. And offer. Once a, once again, my, my teaching did not always come across as teaching. It came across as that's enough of that crap too. But mostly I was trying to yeah. teach. Well, and it came because, because you're also a human being who has discomfort levels and overwhelm and overstimulation. And if, if, you know, it can be both, it can be, I'm overstimulated and don't want to listen to this anymore. And also you guys aren't being productive. And so I'm going to step in because that's what you felt like was the right thing to do in that moment. Um, But I also remember there were times when it wasn't a verbal argument. I actually have a very distinct memory of this. Nathan and I would wrestle. Mm -hmm. Um, like we would wrestle, like we would have like these like brawling, we weren't punching each other or anything, but we would just like wrestle and try to pin each other down and stuff. And as long as no one was screaming, (laughs) crying and getting hurt, you were just like, do that all day. You had no problem with that. You, because we weren't, it wasn't loud and we weren't talking and we weren't yeah so you have you You have an audio you weren't saying hurtful things you weren't being unkind you you know i had a thing about you guys calling each other ugly or stupid or calling each other names yeah no we're not doing that yeah you know and so i would put an end to things you guys sometimes you'd wrestle like kittens i always thought that was the cutest thing in the world you'd wrestle like (laughs) kittens sometimes playfully and other times you were like mountain lions. It was yeah. like, I'm going to kill you quietly yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I remember, I remember you. I remember you, being in the apartment, you pouncing on Nathan once in his, in his bed. It act, you guys ended up actually collapsing the fold up springs on a futon bed I had. You were really, you know, you were like coming home from college or something and he had. I was going to say, we were old at that point. Adorable. We were still wrestling. It was adorable. I would, I remember I would wake him up. (laughs) I would wake him up in the mornings because he wouldn't get up till like super late in the day. And I would go in there like 10 a.m. fed up with waiting for him to get up. Yeah, he had a room that hit had like no windows. It was like a cave, you know, and I would just go in there and jump on him and wake him up. I kind of, I tolerated things until they weren't healthy was my goal. When it got to, if there were, you know, it's okay to be pissed off, but you can't call each other names. You can't, you know, this has to be not toxic or I will intervene. Yeah. Go find another way to do it. And I would try to teach a healthier way to do it. But yeah, I would shut things down sometimes, maybe too soon. I don't know. With little kids, I like to let little kids duke it out. 
you know, but when you start getting 10, 12, uh, somebody's liable to pick up a brick or something, you know, you gotta, you gotta teach, you gotta teach healthy. So, so I definitely, I find myself doing one of two things when I'm in, when I'm in auto reactive mode. So when I get into a disagreement with husband, um, Hmm. I either take the hyper rational route where it's like, everybody just needs to calm the fuck down. Nothing is that serious. Here's what we're going to do. Um, I think that drives people crazy sometimes. Oh, it drives him nuts. Yeah, um, I don't know what that is, but it drives, I, I know, I know I drive people crazy sometimes being too calm. Yeah. Um, Clamping down. So I find myself, so back to coping mechanisms, you talked about yours yeah, sorry, and I, I have that one in common with you and it's something that I, that I have to work on mitigating and approaching differently. Uh, the hyper rational thing. The hyper rational and like kind of taking charge when hmm. it's not necessarily necessary um, hmm. it feels like, it. cause to me, it's like, everything's out of control. You're freaking yeah. out. Everything is fine. And this is how I'm going to make everything. Okay. And so it feels like I need yeah. to take control because you're not in control. Um, Head I'll and, take then, care of and then, yeah, but maybe not in such a condescending way. And <laughs> that's, the that's, that's the thing, but that's kind of how it comes when you get hyper rational and I'm going to come in and I, I'm going to swoop in and I'm going to fix That's this. what it feels like that's, to other people. That's yeah. Kind, that's, that, not, that's kind of the, that's not our intention, but that's yeah, what it feels no, like. That. But my other yeah. coping mechanism is very similar to the one in this story, which is that if things get too out of control, I feel so overwhelmed or so or with, with discomfort in a conversation and a hard conversation, or I'm simply I've hit my threshold and I need to get out and I need to go yeah. scream in the car or sing at the top of my lungs yeah. or whatever it is that I need to go do to regulate. My nervous system has hit its threshold. I can no longer handle being in the same room with you and I must leave now. Yeah. Uh, that is, that's a coping skill. That's a coping mechanism. That's a, you know, the goal in any argument is to never for things to not ever escalate to that point. Um, that's but right. when they do, I either get hyper rational or if things are too out of control, I've hit my threshold, then my coping skill is to go get in my car. And hmm. both Escape. of those things yeah. come from Distance. a place of like reestablishing safety, re uh, like calming myself down, regulating, doing what I need to do to, to, to feel normal and safe again. Um, but the effect that action has when it is, when I just do it with no communication, I just leave, I just grab my shit and go. And especially if there were children in the house and I did that, yeah. That is yeah. abandonment and not the best coping skill with little kids wondering where lunch is. Yeah. Right. And so there's, so that those, those two things are like the ends of my 
spectrum. Those are like extremes, right? Those are not yeah. happening yeah. constantly and yeah, regularly, true. but they have when things get super um, chaotic or frustrating or overwhelming or whatever, those are kind of the go-to coping mechanisms. And so there's this very literal abandonment that we can that we can do to our partners or to our children. Um, and then there's a coming back, coming back together, repair. Maybe they're apologizing for getting big and scary and mad, and you're apologizing for neglecting or abandoning. Um, but those things require repair and discussion and the attempt, you know, the future attempt at not doing that again. Yeah. Um, but with children, a lot of times it's not so black and white as one of you, one of the parents walks out. There yeah. are lots of ways that we cause the feeling of abandonment in our day-to-day lives with our children. And that can, it's, it's emotional and mental abandonment versus physical mm. abandonment. You know, CPS will come if you abandon your kids on the side of the road or disappear for three days and don't change their diapers or feed them. And so we often look at that as like, well, I'm not doing that. My children are cared for and safe. And yes, they are physically safe. Are they mentally and emotionally safe though? Are you? Yeah. Emotional abuse, different than physical abuse. And not even abuse, but neglect. Emotional and mental neglect is the cancer of parenting today because it's invisible because it's invisible. So we know physical abuse is wrong. We know physical, physical neglect is wrong. We know sexual abuse is wrong. We know like we know uh, purposeful physical harm is wrong. Pretty much everybody knows that. Yeah. Right, it's easy to prove in court. Um, too. You know, it's it's right, and you can prove it physically. because it's in the physical yeah. world. But emotional yeah. and mental wellness, health, abandonment, abuse is invisible, and so that's much harder yeah. to prove. It's also much harder to catch in yourself. It's much harder to identify yeah. unless you have studied to, these things. Um, yeah, it's hard to know it's being done to you if you've never experienced back to that first time thing. Right. Well, it's and children, hard to realize it's happening yeah. to you, whether you're a if kid it's been or an normal, adult that's never your experienced whole life. it. Yeah, yeah. So, so the some of the ways that we that we do this, either to one another or to our children, is by dissociation, disconnecting from like reality. Right. We stare at our phones twelve hours a day. Um, and I'm not talking about like, oh, I took a 15 minute break and added some stuff to my Amazon shopping cart or my kids were watching a movie. So I scrolled on Instagram for 10 minutes. I'm not talking about taking breaks. I'm not talking about taking breaks, take breaks. I'm talking about repetitive patterns of your children trying to get your attention and you're on your phone going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or TV so cool. or uh-huh. anything. Or TV or... Screens, yeah. Or, or dinner, you know, I'm cooking dinner. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. But giving this like, it's, it's like half attention. You're giving half hearted attention. And yeah. 
and your children are trying to tell you a story or share something or this or that. And again, I'm not talking about you are constantly making perfect eye contact with your kids and always (laughs) listening to every single little thing that they say. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being a present parent requires you to put down your phone, put down what you're doing, end your work day, whatever it might be, compartmentalize the things that you are focused on so that there are hours Mm -hmm. in your day where you are giving your full attention and energy to your children. You are listening to their stories. You are answering their questions. You are, you know... And I know, I know you've got to get four kids in the car and you've got to get two of them to soccer practice and two of them to dance. And you've got to put in the directions and everyone wants to listen to different music in the car and there's going to be chaos. Yeah. That, that is what it is. And learning some coping skills to navigate those moments in time um, are going to do nothing but benefit you and they're going to benefit the lifespan of your children. Um, but what I'm talking about here is that we get so caught up in overwhelm and chaos that we don't just give a hundred percent of our focus to our children. When we are playing, we're checking our phones. When we are cooking, we're checking our phones. When we are, working from home, but trying to like take a break with our kids. It's like, then take the break, take the 10 minutes when you're throwing the ball, when you're running around in the backyard, when you're just talking to your kid, like your phone stays in your office, your whatever, because when you come out and you imply to your child that I'm on a break, let's do something real quick. But then you're checking your phone every five seconds. Your yeah. child does can feel that. Your child feels yeah. you not being fully present with them, and it's it feels terrible. Yeah. Because I can think of a hundred times that I have been talk, telling a friend a story, or telling my partner a story, or you know whatever, and they're like, "Yeah, tell me," and then they're like doing this at the same time, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "I really don't want to tell you because you're not actually hearing me. You're not actually listening." Like. That's right. It's a waste of my energy. A, You're not giving me your skill. energy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you meet somebody, you say, "Hey, let's let's go have lunch," and they're late, and they're late because of something trivial. I don't know. I was what I had to watch something. I had to finish watching something, or I had to finish listening to a song. And what you're doing is announcing your priorities. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, okay, so that's how important I am. Or they're That's not apologetic. Fine. Like, oh, oh yeah. I knew I was going to be late and I just didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, like, I've had very nonchalant people be ourselves. like, oh, yeah, work work ran late. Sorry. And I'm like, I've been sitting here for 30 minutes looking yeah. for a phone call or a text from you. You had a 30-minute yeah. drive. You knew you were going to be late. At what point were you going to let me know and value my time? (laughs) Yeah. Like, and it's exactly what you said. It's like, you're so caught up. And it's hard. Yeah. Because you're in that, when you've got kids, once you have kids, it's a game, it's a game changer. And I don't think uh, people are as, I mean, people used to grow up and get out of high school expecting to 
you know, get married, get a job, get married and have kids and do that thing. And there's so much, there are so many more distractions from yeah. that now, yeah. you know, the slow, the slow destruction of civilization. You know, right. everybody's got their nose, people walking around with their noses in their phones, falling in holes and running into things. And the, Car the number of distractions are crazy. Yeah. Texting. That's right. Texting and so while part of the part of yeah. the skill is don't get to the you know, anytime you're coping, something you said a, a little bit ago, I I realized at some point that if I was coping, something had happened before that where I needed to cope. <laughs> so the yeah. goal became to not really to need to cope any more than necessary. Sometimes happens. Sometimes mm-hmm. it happens. Hey, we got to get the tribe to grandma's for Sunday dinner or whatever, which doesn't yeah. happen that much anymore. Okay, that's a, that's a chore. Moving a tribe is a chore, you know, is is work, and you got to focus on it. You can't do that and keep up with YouTube or Facebook or anything. You have to you have to commit. Back to simplify, you know. And, and, uh, that's really what it gets down to. And even mindset, like you just said, you said getting the tribe to grandma's is a chore. Now that is one way to look at it. And if that's how someone feels about it, it's not untrue. And one way to not have to constantly cope is to stop looking at everything as a negative thing, just because it's It's going to require all of your attention to make this thing happen. Doesn't mean it's a chore. It's just a thing where, okay, I need to focus on this thing. And that's the only thing I can focus on right now. And And we don't have to make it, we don't even have to make it positive. We can yeah. just make it neutral. There's so much of life that we in our brains <laughs> turn into good or bad. We turn yeah. it into black and white thinking and we make, we assign everything. This is good. I'm enjoying this. This is bad. I'm uncomfortable and I avoid yeah. this and I go towards this. But when you, when you assign everything good or bad, you miss out on this neutral ground where most things live of simply being in existence where you could just choose to go, this is what this moment looks like. And so what can I do? How am I going to choose to show up in a way that serves me, that serves my children, that serves my partner and make, and feeds us instead of depletes us. And that's claiming your power and stepping into an empowered parent mode and you decide and you have the choice and not everything is good or bad or negative or positive or whatever. And like, yes, there are real things that are a struggle that can be frustrating, but like how you show up in your presence and in choice in that moment is entirely up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally true. Totally true. It has to do with values when I say chore, it's like it's a lot of work to do these, to, to do some of these things, mm, to make some work. of these happen. It's a lot of work. That's a neutral yeah. statement. This is, is a that, lot is new, is of work. work. Neutral? Yeah. You have to accept, hey, I want my, I want to host the family reunion. Everybody's going to be here. It's yeah. going to be a house full of people. It's going to be a pain, you know, it's going to be a pain in the ass. It's, which is just a way of saying, 
um, I would just as soon be sitting down watching the Steelers play, right? Yeah. You know, this is going to be a disruption from my norm. Yeah. But you have to decide when you're when you're feeling that. Maybe that's part of a coping mechanism. Is you have to look at that and say, what do I value? What? Yeah. Where am I going to put my attention? Where am I going to put my time? And so, yes, it's it's an effort. It's it's you know effort. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I say it's a chore. You know, as in. I have to go to the well and get a bucket of water or I have to go to work or mm-hmm. whatever. But gosh, I like to have income and I like to be able to send my kids to Disney World yeah. or buy them shoes for school or whatever. Yeah. So there's uh, and I would rather do that than sneak off and rob a bank and use the money and go drink it. You know, it's like, well, what yeah. do you value there? Yeah. You do these. The, uh, life is work. You know, so far we're human beings. Life and is effort. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you gotta, know. you gotta put in effort. Like, And there's so much time and there's so much energy. And so how yeah. are you going to spend it is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, it's very metaphysical when you get yeah. right down to it. Be there. I like the be present, be there now. You know, yeah. am I where I want to be? The conflict really comes if you're trying to check your phone and work and not while you're with your kids. That's a val- that's a value judgment. That's a, you know, I have to do both. I'm conflicted. I'm upset because I'm trying to do two things that are not compatible here. And it's like value being with your kids. And you kind of have to say, go away to society. You know, it's, mm-hmm. oh, you're not being productive. You're not working. You're not making money. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not something else. There's it's the conflict between the two things. Yeah. It's worthwhile. You know, everybody knows it's worthwhile to spend time with your kids. It's uh, it's harder to make the, you know, back to the daily choice. And sometimes uh, whirlwinds happen and uh, you just, you got to, uh, it's, it's just a choice how you spend that time. Yeah. And you can even, what we're kind of talking about here is balance, right? And so when you're, when you're mm-hmm. on one end of the spectrum with yep. intense overwhelm, we generally tend to swing into dissociation and disconnect in order to counterbalance the overwhelm that we're feeling instead of regulating and, and setting up our lives in a way that is balanced and serves from moment to moment where we we've learned, we know ourselves, we know where to spend our energy. We know what to say no to. We know how to, make pockets of time for work and pockets of time for our children and pockets of time for this and that and the other thing. Um, but what we end up doing a lot is we get lost in the chaos. We end up way over here in overwhelm. And in order to counterbalance it, we swing over here to dissociation, mm-hmm. abandonment, disappearing, disconnect. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm the work is here in the middle, right? Like we always say, and I just, the example you just gave, I want to offer to parents a a simple solution. And this solution can be applied to pretty much any situation you come across. And that is simply communicating to your child or to your partner exactly Mm -hmm. what it is you are doing and why you're doing it in this moment and then meeting the need. So if you need to be, if you 
are someone who works from home, but you're also the primary caregiver, you know, maybe you're an entrepreneur and you started a business and you're, you're working on, you know, your a lot of your work takes place on social media, um, and email and you're all, but you're also home with your kid most of the time. And so you're trying to balance being on social media while your kid is playing in the park or answering a few emails Mm -hmm. while your kid is taking a nap or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. being on being two places at once or doing multiple things at once is pretty normal these days. And so it doesn't have to be that I'm going to leave my phone at home because I'm taking my kid to the park and I have to be fully present. It can be I've given my child one or two hours of my full attention this morning, and now we're going to pack up. We're going to go do something that my child loves to do, and they're going to have some independent playtime at the park or some socializing time with their peers at the park, and I'm going to sit on the bench and get some work done. And when your child says, mommy or daddy, you know, come play with me, come chase me, come do this thing. You simply have a conversation with your child and say, I love playing with you so much right now. This is the time of day when mommy has to do some work. And this Mm -hmm. is your opportunity to go play with friends and have some time outside and play in the park while I get some work done. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as that. And they go, like, I've literally, I'm not saying this isn't going to happen, especially if you're, if, if it's the first time you've ever had this conversation, but I've literally never had a child who I explained something so truthfully and factually to and lovingly who then goes, no, play with me now. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you don't have a kid that's going to do that. You may have parented your kid into being a kid who responds that way. Who knows? Mm -hmm. The first time you try it, it may not work, but I'm saying that consistently when I've done this, the child goes, Oh, okay. And runs off and plays because they're like, Oh, I get to play with my friends right now. And mommy needs to do some work. And that's just a fact of life. And everything is neutral. There's no good or bad. It just is. And, and it just, it's just, it's just plain communication and explaining things to your child. And you have now said we played for, I gave you my full attention for a couple hours this morning. Now it's time for this part of our day. And then we're going to have lunch and then it's nap time. And then it's this time. And like you teach your children that there, there are pockets of time for different things. And this, this gentle and loving explanation teaches kids about the real world. Because I hear yeah. a lot of people are like gentle parenting, respectful parenting, all that stuff. Gentle parenting is for gentle kids. False. Mm. Gentle parenting, relational parenting, like it's all relational. We're focused on connection and the relationship and Thoughtful. fostering. Yeah, fostering intentional, like the, the intentional raising of children. And just because you're gentle and loving about it doesn't mean that they're not going to be prepared for the real world. And in fact, research has shown yeah. that it will prepare them more for the real world Yeah. when you are honest and They'll truthful and loving people, about it. Yeah. They recognize when people are taking advantage of them and, you know, 
back to modeling. You hit on all kinds of things there, the need for balance, the need for repetition. You know, you doing things the first time doesn't often work. It takes repetition and practice, and yeah. whether it's you or your child, you know, hey, I need to be more mindful. I need to be more intentional. Whatever you 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 have to do, it's not the first the first time you do that. It's hit and miss, and it's it's you have to do it a thousand times before it gets to be a habit. Um, yeah, yeah. So that so, and you can't do it all the time. That that explaining doesn't always work either. You know, if you do that every time your child comes and wants to play, that can be too much of a uh, of a thing. But seeking that balance. Sometimes you play, sometimes you don't. You have other times to play. Time boxing is a favorite tactic of uh, of mine. It's like I'm going to spend an hour or ten minutes doing this, and then you go do it. And uh, yeah. then then you know in ten in ten minutes I'll come play with you for a half an hour or whatever, or come do yeah. what you're doing, or we'll do that in a few minutes. I need. Yeah. I'll come get you. 10 minutes and then and they get develop helps them develop a sense of time too. There's all kinds of ways to handle it, to get organized and keep, keep chaos down. I, a lot of the stuff I've learned, um, I wish I knew when I was 20. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause we know it now and we didn't know it then, or we didn't have access to it then. Like we do now with the internet and stuff. Slow learners. Yeah. yeah. Slow to find it. But yeah, so, so one, I'm so grateful to this mom who wrote in about her mother and, and about this um, pattern in her childhood that really was painful for her and oh. um, that she was yeah. able to have a discussion anybody in that about situation. with her mom. And I, and I wonder how many people listening, you know, can, are thinking of a thing right now that their parents did to them or, um, you know, a pattern that they know that they do to their children and that they're, they're working on or trying to break. Um, and that, you know, overwhelm and disconnect don't have to be the only solutions. We don't have to go to such extremes if we can tap into learning healthier coping skills, ways of balancing, um, and communicating with our children in order to foster these healthy relationships um, and not have to get to a place where, you know, when you, if you're feeling overwhelmed with your kids, something like the, like this mom, you know, she would walk out and instead feeling, if you're feeling pissed off or overwhelmed and you've got multiple children and needs and all the things that can be as simple as I you know, mommy or I, however you speak about yourself to your children. A lot of people do it in third person. That's why I do it. Um, I am feeling very overwhelmed, very unregulated, dysregulated, very frustrated. And I need a break. I need to go take a break for myself. And then if I'm going to take a walk outside and get some fresh air and I'll be back in 20 minutes Mm -hmm. or I'm going to go in my room and close the door and turn on some music Mm. and breathe for 20 minutes, or I'm going to go for a drive and I'll be back in half an hour or like you're putting, you're communicating what you're doing, where you're going, that everything is safe. Everyone's okay. This is where I'm going. And this is when I'm coming back so that you're not just abandoning 
and everyone's like, what's wrong? What happened? Why is, you know, why is mom so upset? Why is she doing this? Like, is she coming back? When is she coming back? Are we going to eat dinner together? Are we going to like, it's, it just leaves your family or your children or your child or your spouse or your partner in complete and utter anxiety Mm -hmm. and loss. And Mm -hmm. when you are in a relationship or you are responsible for beings who are less, who are powerless against you and who are utterly in your care, your responsibility is to make sure they feel safe, to make sure they don't feel abandoned and to also make sure you are caring for yourself in the way that you need in that moment. And so it can be both. It doesn't have to be such an extreme, even when it feels, everything feels really extreme in your body or in your mind. It feels urgent. It feels extreme. It feels like an emergency. Can you start to practice taking a breath, letting your family know what you need, and then going and doing that for yourself? not making it about them, not making it about them being wrong. It's their fault. You're making me feel this way. None of that. Simply, I feel, I have hit my threshold. I feel this and I need this. I feel this and I need this because it's not about anybody else. It's about you. Yeah. You can't take care of others. You know, that's the that's an excellent point. Uh, when you're the parent, good, bad, or indifferent, you're the big dog. So, so you're yeah. one of the you know the kids take you're their the cues leader. from you, and you're so part of you know if you are in an overwhelming environment, you know, and we're thinking like going to school and fixing lunch, you know, but what if there's uh, uh, a drunk guy waving a gun around or something? I mean, there's all kinds back from. The bell curve. Yeah, well, that's like a real um, emergency. We're not talking able, about that. <laughs> we, have to, <laughs> we have to, but in any whatever situation, if you're a parent, then you are on the hook. I, I guess yeah. I do express things negatively, but if you have a responsibility to manage the environment, including yeah. yourself, and yeah. give yourself be, you have to be forgiving. You have to. Um, Try to be calm so you can think. You know, it's not just calm for calmness sake. It's calm so that you can accomplish your mission of raising healthy, successful kids that exceed yeah. you, you know, and uh, and making the world another good goal is making the world a better place. You know, raise kids yeah. that are going to improve the world in some way, yeah. if only by being, being decent to everybody else, teach them good habits. Um, there's just all kinds of good reasons to regulate yourself and, uh, and teach your kids to regulate and, yeah. um, and, 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 and uh, then, I mean, it just goes on for generations. There's we didn't even get to the, to do that. the importance of setting the example, whatever you're doing right now to yeah. cope, you're literally showing your children how to cope with stress, how to cope yeah. with anxiety, yeah. how to cope with talk. overwhelm. So like you you, talk forever. What you do is what they do. Not only how your actions are affecting. Yeah. Not only are like, is it important in in the way that your actions are affecting them and making them feel abandoned, making them feel neglected, like giving them anxiety, et cetera. You're also showing them that in the future or right now, how to handle overwhelm 
they're just going to lose control. They're going to disappear. They're going to disconnect from you. They're going to ignore you. They're going to like whatever, however it manifests in them is a reflection of what you're teaching them. And so you may have the power to walk out the door and go walk on your own and disappear for an hour and have someone come look for you. But your child who's five or 10 or 12 like they're going to go in their room and slam the door and turn on their headphones and look at their cell phone and not talk to you yeah. for three days. Yeah. Yeah. That and that's how sweet. they're going to yeah. cope instead of having a conversation with you and working through those feelings and developing emotional and mental resilience. Like there's, I mean, to tolerate a little bit of discomfort. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 So, so it's not just about you and the effect that your actions are having on them right now. It's literally what you're teaching them for the rest of their life. That's a great bumper sticker. It's not just about you. Yeah. Which is, which that's what parents need is a lot more pressure, but you know, that's, that's a good, that's a good quick thought to keep in mind. Yeah. So I think we're, we're going to end there. We are right at an hour. Um, but we, I hope that everybody listening to this one, I always get very like, I get very passionate. Um, but I, but anyway, we're this lady for talking with her mom. Yeah, and, like thank and, you and doing that healing that right coming coming back around. That's a circle of life thing. That's you know. By the way, yeah. we we've, we've talked well, all I hope about that's this, what this the admiration podcast. for this lady is high. The, the pod, this is, that's part of what we're trying to do with this podcast too, is show people of multiple generations because it's not just parents and little children. It's you and me, like I'm a child and you're a parent, you know, you had parents like, like multiple generations are still developing and, and changing and engaging in relationship in the child parent dynamic. And, and part of this podcast as doing this podcast together was to, to set an example of a parent-child, adult-child-to-parent relationship and exploring the past and exploring past wounding or current wounding or past patterns or things that hurt me or things that you misunderstood or like whatever and how we can have, yeah, how we can have that conversation without anybody, without arguing. Mm-hmm. And and we're not perfect. We've had we've had conversations where we do there is a misunderstanding and we have to kind of pull it apart and pull through it and someone's got big feelings or big wound got reopened or whatever, but that it doesn't have to be we don't have to all be so defensive. We can just you I can appreciate you. you. Yeah. as a parent and what you did do for me and hold the, you can hold the space for the things you did that hurt me. Absolutely. You were a good That's parent. You have to not have this hurt. picture of yourself <laughs> as perfect. Yeah. You know, you have to be, you have to be able to accept. Yeah. I didn't do that one very good, you know, mm-hmm. and apologize or whatever, you know, you have to make amends and uh, recognize. And it doesn't negate. Perfect. And, the good and give yourself the permission to not be perfect. It's like, yeah, yeah I was not the perfect parent. Sorry, and uh, uh, now I know better. Let's, yeah. you know, I should have some more babies so I can be a perfect parent now. No, next kid's going to be different. <laughs> There's no such thing as perfect parenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you only know. So before, you only get better at the things you've seen before. 
Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. So um, anyone else who has a story they want to share um, that, that you either just want to share, get off your chest and send it in and you can write in there, like, please don't share this on the podcast. Or if you do have a story that you want to share um, with us that we can share on the podcast that might help other people either not feel so yeah. alone or um, that you think has a topic inside of it that would help other people for us to talk about, please do share that at the email in the show notes. Um, the other thing that I want to announce before we get going here is that uh, we are officially launching a sponsorship campaign. Um, but we cannot do that without our listeners. So if you are hearing this and it is the month of August, 2023, um, we are starting our email campaign. Sorry, we are launching our sponsorship campaign, September 1st, 2023. And what we need from our audience before that date is all of the likes, subscribes, comments and downloads that we can possibly get on our YouTube channel, on Spotify, um, and on social media. Uh, because once we have, we hit a specific number, I believe we're aim, our aim is 10,000. Um, if we can get 10,000 new followers and subscribes in a month, then the podcast will exponentially thrive and be pushed out to other audiences, to other people looking for parenting help. Uh, and that's on social media, that's on YouTube, that's on, um, on Spotify. It'll be moved to the top of search bars, et cetera, so that people can find us and access this information, um, and let it, be part of their healing journey, be part of their parenting journey, be part yeah. of whatever they need it for. And it's free, you guys. It's a free resource for parents, but it has, you guys have to help us get it seen. Um, there's nothing the we can do. Yeah. So, um, so I am going to, I'm going to do a little drawing, a little giveaway uh, for anyone who's hearing this again in the month of August, 2023. Right now, before September 1st, we need you to go to the YouTube channel, the Relational Parenting Podcast, the YouTube channel, and we need you to like the videos, we need you to subscribe to the channel, and we need you to post a comment on at least three or more videos. Hmm. The comment can Comments be... Comments matter. Oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever heard. It can be, oh my gosh, I disagree with you. It can That's be... Right. This re resonates because I just had this thing happen to me in my life. It can be anything. You stink, and here's you know, why. Preferably be nice, but if you don't, <laughs> if you hate us, go write that, whatever. But yep. so, so going to the YouTube channel, like, subscribe. If you do nothing else on any modality, Spotify, Google, Apple, YouTube, subscribe to the podcast. That is the number one thing. And if you have a little extra energy and an extra minute, like our videos and comment on a few of them. Okay. For those of you who are going in, you're subscribing, liking, and commenting. I'm watching our YouTube channel. Um, and I'm going to enter you in a drawing to, for a $25 Amazon gift card. Uh, and 
If you want there to be bigger and better giveaways with a lot more money involved, then go like, subscribe, and comment so that we can make more money and do more giveaways. <laughs> um, Let us know what will motivate you if it's yeah. not $25 gift cards. Yeah. And I'm honestly... Which is a if, comment. If you've always been curious about, about um, parent coaching, you've always wanted to dip your toe in, give me a call, whatever. But you're like, I have no budget right now. I will, I will switch out your giveaway instead of a gift card, or I'll give you the gift card and I'll give you three free coaching sessions. But I want, we, we need your help. Um, and I'm, and I'm willing to give you guys some awesome prizes for your help. So please go to our YouTube channel, the Relational Parenting Podcast, and click subscribe. We need you to be a subscriber. Um, and then, exactly. again, if you have time, go to TikTok and Instagram and follow those pages as well. Everywhere we are, the Relational Parenting Podcast. Um, so anything that you can do. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Those are the only two that matter. Spotify. TikTok and Instagram. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, going to go follow on social media, but the, the key is subscribing on YouTube and Spotify. Subscribe, follow, subscribe, follow, Spotify. subscribe, follow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we will announce a winner on September 1st. So cool. you're going to want to follow the social media anyway to find out if you're a winner. I think that's it. We need your help. We, um, we're launching a sponsorship campaign on September 1st so that we can maintain the podcast. You guys running a podcast does cost money. It's not free. So we're giving off free content and we're paying for it every single month. And we have made, we are making $0. Um, so in order for this to become a sustainable thing for us to keep putting out content, keep having guests, I have so many guests lined up, like literally coming from nowhere, just wanting, they're like, you know, we want to help your podcast. We want to be on the podcast. We want to provide parents with information. So, um, we have so many guests lined up. We're scheduling into 2024. It's crazy. It's amazing. We love what we're doing. And we, if you love what we're doing, then we need your help. So, yeah. Cool. All right, friends. Um, we love you, and we'll see you next week. Uh, happy parenting, and good luck out there. Dead. Well, did you learn anything new, or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us, disagree with us, have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.